three, four. The common counterpart. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 21 of The Common Counterpart. I'm Mark. And I'm Josh. And Josh, we can get crunk up in here. 21st episode. <laughs> What'd you say earlier? Popping bottles. Popping bottles. Popping bottles. This would be, uh, when I hit 21, this would be a Jaeger shot. A Jaeger shot. That was your go-to. I don't, that's just what people did. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the, the gateway. Mm-hmm. Into like shot the shot uh-huh. world, I think now it may have been surpassed by um, people really like to do uh, what's the what's the um, cinnamon sriracha? Fi- no, fireball. Ugh, like a, like a fireball shot. Yeah. I feel like that's the new Jaeger. No one's drinking Jaeger. No one. I don't think so. I think they peaked like in like. Do the you know early what the 2000s. flavor of Jaeger is? No, it's anise. Black, Careful. Bl- I know. Black licorice. but Black licorice. But, yeah, that's the one that people usually say. And the reason I bring it up is because I need to correct the American language. There is no such thing as black licorice or red licorice. Interesting. There is only licorice. Red licorice is technically a red vine. Licorice is a flavor. I don't know that that's true. It's true. I and know that the red ones are called red vines. Exactly. Twizzlers or red vines? Oh, it's red vines. Okay, okay good. Yeah, I can't do I Twizzlers. I don't. Twizzlers is the knockoff. Yes. It literally falls apart. Yeah, it's a weird... It's like it wants to be string cheese because yeah. you can kind of like peel it off in layers. Mm-hmm. It's not good. I feel as though it could be maybe one chemical reaction away from uh, t- like tire rubber. Yes. And if there was a 99 cent version of <laughs> Red Vines, it's Twizzlers, dude. I don't know, man. Tw- I'm turning those down if you offer me those. Twizzler and Tang were, were big on, on my street I'm not when I was a you kid. Where you grew up. Yeah. Well, I think you and I kind of grew up in the same spot. That's fair. Yeah. We, we opted for the Red Vines. <laughs> you go big or go home. My mom would always have like the two pound like container. Yeah. And it sat on our kitchen counter. And, I'm, and like every really? time you walked by, you just popped the top, grabbed yourself a red vine on the way out. Your mom, and she didn't monitor uh, no, they, sugar intake? No. <sighs> there are, I have a couple of friends that refer to my, my mom's house as the gingerbread house uh, because everywhere you look, there is mm-hmm. just candy. It's Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Are you even kidding? Even still to this day. And how did you come out so thin I, and fit? I don't, I think there's just, when you overexpose, it just becomes not a big deal. Oh, Right, it's like the screen time argument. If you you know you limit screen time to like thirty minutes a day, God. every time a kid sees a screen, they're obsessed with it because they never get to see one. Yeah, I don't know. I love candy, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, <laughs> red vines, dude. Dude, my my mom, she was a health nut, and so was my grandma. Well, my grandma's still with us, but they were both you know no sugar, no white bread. Uh, you had to. You couldn't have the cool peanut peanut butter. It was Ooh, had it, like pieces of bark. Did it have yeah, like the oil on the top? <laughs> yes. Yes, dude. Oh, I hated going to my friend's house and that's the peanut butter they had. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm out. Never mind. I don't want a PB and J anymore. Yeah. And I I think when when the wife and I got married and started raising kids, a lot of what we do, um, I base it on what I experienced and I don't want my kids to experience it. And her parenting style is very much based upon what she experienced and what she wanted her kids to experience. So we're kind of a yin to the yang. Yeah, and it works. It worked out okay. It worked out okay. Your kids are decent. They're okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 
I have my favorite. I've, but, I've but, seen I've seen worse. Yeah, she knows who she is. Of course, her, so. as they all should. Yeah. Well, listen, man. Last week's episode was super fun. It was, and we have so many more questions. No, we don't. Not for today. Okay. But you came with just a plethora uh-huh. of questions, and I'm so excited to do that again. Well, and I told you where I got them, right? No. Okay, so I just went looking for, you know, uh, uh, meaningful questions, you know, in- inquiry-based questions, and I found myself on those teeny bop magazines. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think we did talk like about Like Cosmopolitan, yeah. and I felt a little dirty, but... Uh, the content was great. They were good. Yeah, and we got more for later. Mm-hmm. So we'll but be coming back to that. Speaking of questions, I told you I ran into Adam. Yes. Yes. In fact, we were hanging out. And Adam comes walking into a, a, a place that we frequent regularly, and he was listening to the podcast, episode 20, and he was doing work in Pinedale. <laughs> Dude, do you feel like a celeb a little a bit? A little bit, a little bit. Like people know who you are? Yeah, so sh- shout out to uh, Adam. I think yeah, Adam. he might be our biggest fan. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Now, this week, we're going a little dark. <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little... I... Where did it come from? Well, you claim that I came up with this idea. You're under the impression that I had this idea. I did. And I don't have the best memory, but I can't even recall a smidgen of where I would have come up with this. Interesting. Now, I have a bad memory as well, ask my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this could very possibly have been my thing. But yeah. we're talking about death. We are. Death. Yeah, we needed something there, right? It was that was bad. You try. I said death, and well, I said death kind of positive. We're like, we're talking about <laughs> death. I saw a rainbow come out of your smile. I kind of smiled a little bit. You did. Um, we are talking about the deceased. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's it's, but not death as an idea. Right, and you really, death has so many layers. You can't really just. It's like when people say Africa. Mm. Africa's got many layers. Sure. Right. When you talk about the, uh, uh, you know, those athletes, you know. Different athletic performance has different. Or layers. I am an athlete. Yeah. Well, careful. Yeah. There's a lot of levels to that. Exactly, like soccer. Right. Okay. Well, I was thinking more like JV high school versus like an Olympian. Got like, it. Don't use that term too and, loosely. And I would like to do an episode in the future about soccer because I feel as though football, the world sport, has infiltrated the NBA a little bit. And I think that that episode will be our best episode yet. It might be. But before we get there, mm-hmm. let's talk about what happens when people die. In metaphysically? No, physically, what's happening. When people die. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to get into a spiritual debate here. No. Well, it's not really a debate, because I'd, I'd be right. Right, but time and place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are going to talk about the way in which you dispose of those that are no longer worth anything. Ooh. I know. That was... That was bad, huh? Yeah. But it's also true. If we could have edited ed- edited that out. We can, but I won't. Because that is the mindset you have to be in. Mm -hmm. Because when we think about death, it automatically cues up emotional responses, Mm -hmm. which it it should. However, at the end of the day, no matter how you feel, death is another one of those things that I I will put into the same category as like water or as sanitation. Okay. Or as these these things that are so prevalent in our life. Oh, right. But we oftentimes do not give them a thought because we don't have to. And different cultures view it very differently. But I wanted to kind of have a little bit of a conversation to, to try and open the mind of people as to what's out there. 
Got it. As to how this whole thing came about. Because much like the trash that you put out in the front of your house that disappears every week, you're thankful that it's gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine if there was just no services provided. And in some parts of the world, um, being the person who handles uh, the deceased is one of the lowest and worst jobs you can have. You're, you're Like in India, parts of India, you're an untouchable. And yet these people need you so that their beloved can enter the spirit world at a higher level. And, and we would look at that here in the West thinking, I'm glad that I don't have to be a mortician. I, I'm under the impression they make pretty good money. Wouldn't you think they should? Don't you think they should? Yes. And I, th- I, think, I think they're still underpaid. I don't even know yeah. what the number is. And let's be honest. I won't touch my plumbing. I won't touch the electrical because I'm going to mess it up. I do think the – and I don't know what the proper term is. Is it mortuary sciences is, or – There is something you get a degree in. Right. Um, and it's legit. Um, you just don't get like hang out in, in graveyards in your, in your teens and become a mortician. No, but I also don't think that that's what they want to do. I think that people think that morticians are... What's the character from the Adams Family? Uh, there's a bunch. Oh, I don't know. He, he sort of is like a Frankenstein kind of guy. Lurch. Yeah, I think people think that morticians are like Lurch. Like, mm-hmm. they're just normal people. I will tell you something. Um, uh, prior to losing my dad years ago, uh, I hadn't really encountered a lot of, of death. And... I was a little freaked out by it, and we had to go to the funeral home, and we had to. They, I have never met this person who handled the, the uh, my dad's body, but he was incredibly professional. He was calming. He was soothing. He asked questions that I wouldn't have ever thought to have, someone would ask, like, "Would Would you like your father's clothes back that he that he passed away in?" Like, why would Why would you ask me that? And yet, that's just something you have to do. And you pull back from it being your own father, and mm-hmm. it does kind of make sense, right? Like right. there, and these these guys have been living it for so long that they have seen everything. Yeah, I watched a great um, YouTube video in, in preparation for this from Wired. They, they mm-hmm. Wired has a series where they interview um, different professions, but the questions come from Twitter, and okay. so it's like ask a mortician. And so I watched a twenty minute video on this mortician answering questions from Twitter from, I mean, just anything that you can possibly think of. And, mm-hmm. it, and it was, it was very interesting. I think along the same lines, what you're saying, like they're, they're very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. They have heard everything. They've seen everything, but at the end of the day, it's just, this is my job and I'm going to try and prepare this body the best I can. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try and take care of the family as best I can because you have to, Keep in mind that that's a it's a good business to be in. What's and I don't mean to be insensitive, but talk about job security. Absolutely. So my my dad has this joke. Oh, and it's a classic dad joke. A classic dad, which and 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 my dad is is he's great. But I still have I, I saw him from afar once. I know. I never, but I didn't meet him. We every time we would drive by a cemetery. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, man, that cemetery is really busy. Those people are dying to get in. Oh, my God. Every, every, <laughs> every time? Every time. And it was not funny the first time, <laughs> and it's still not funny. But shout out to my dad because I remember that from my childhood. Have you said it 
to your kids yet. I haven't. I don't think they've totally grasped cemeteries. We also don't pass by them very often. Right. Which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Oh, really? Uh, but uh, it's just, it's, it's classic dad joke. Um, my wife gives me a certain look when I do a dad joke. And sometimes the look is, um, that was funny, and I'm not going to give you credit because it was a dad joke. And then there are other times I get a very different look. I feel it in my, in my intestines. It's as if to say, don't ever do that again. But they just come naturally as a dad. Yeah, that and wearing New Balance sneakers. There are just some certain dad things, which, by the way, I think you would rock a New Balance. So this is a little bit outside your wheelhouse. Uh-huh. But for Father's Day, my friend did get me a pair of, they're called Air Monarchs. And it's essentially the Nike version of, dad shoes. of a dad shoe. Yes, I can't wait to see them. And they are fantastic. And I put them on and I'm like, man, these are really comfortable. Okay. And it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing, but I legit have people ask me like, hey, which ones are those? I want to get, I want to pick those up. These are the d- that's dad how, shoes. That's how you know, the Air Dads. Got it. Yeah. Um, so death. The one thing when, when you look at cultures, would you say that what is it about America? And I don't know if it's white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I don't know if it's a, a, a Victorian Western idea. But in this part of the world, we seem very removed, very fearful of death. And when you look at as a you know world and, and, and human geography kind of guy, death is kind of a part of culture in other parts of the world. Yeah, it's it's very much tied into like I and I try and describe it as like life and then death is a continuation mm-hmm. of that next set. Whereas in the West, we very much see it as life, 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 death. I lose. And I and I'm done. Yeah. But where the other the other a lot of other cultures don't have the I'm done part of it. They mm-hmm. are looking forward to that as much as they're looking forward to next week. And I think that one of the things we have to look at is the way in which we, the way in which society um, thinks about life. And it's now, for one, we have a great life. We do. That plays into it. It has to, right? This idea that, like, I want to fit in everything that I possibly can and I want to never die, right? I mean, that's. What we have been trying to even scientifically figure out for the longest time is how do we not die? Yeah, how do we get it all? How do we stay longer? 80 is not enough. I want to be 100. 100 is not enough. I want to be 120. What can we do to reverse the cells? What can we do to do, you know what I mean? And, and, there's, and there's a billion-dollar industry mm-hmm. on that. Take this. Take that. Take these vitamins. Take this supplement. Take this. You'll live longer. This will stop the, you know, stop the breakdown of what's yeah. happening. Because we have a world that we live in that's like that, I think that we feel like, you know, you're on the Ferris wheel and then death is like you have to get off, you know, and your eight-year-old self is like, oh, man, I wasn't done yet, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and, and again, it, it's people respond differently to this. Um, I think faith and religion have a big factor. I think there are people who have uh, entered into a full philosophy life and death and youth and aging and sacrifice and, you know, hard work and giving and taking. And, um, but the, I think there are some people who, unfortunately, their, their time comes a lot sooner than we would have ever anticipated. You know, I, uh, 
I'm a Lord of the Rings guy, and I remember there's this, this scene in one of the movies where uh, the king talks about how he sh- you shouldn't have to bury your own child. And when you look at, at, at that, I think society looks at it and says, ah, oh, that, that shouldn't happen. There was so much more. Uh, but when 80-year-old, 90-year-old family member looks at you and says, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. I've, I've done what I want to do. I'm ready to get to... To, to, to move on and just be celebrated. I would hope for people that could be more of a celebration and less, less of, a, of a fear. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, how often are you thinking about death? Uh, you know, it's funny you would ask me that. I think about it more and more often. I uh, think about it every day. What? Just so we're clear. As a, as a motivating factor or? Uh, just as a harsh reality. Okay, so I'm starting to think that maybe you were the one who came up with this idea. Maybe. Yeah. And which, it's always on my mind. I think I, I, I don't know. I think that's the anxiety in me. I think it's the control. I am all about control. Obviously, it's a mode of anxiety. Like, I don't have control of things. I freak out. Like, I think that, and I also, you know this, I also have a little bit of hypochondriac in me. A little bit. I'm dying of everything right now as we speak. Which is so bizarre because... And again, I'm going to give you a little bit of credit, and I don't want it to go to your head. But you are one of the coolest guys I know. Well, I appreciate that. So to, to think now that my opinion of you is completely flawed. Yes. That you are worried about being sick and dying. Yes. I don't it, know why. I'm not. I mean, nothing no. would lead me to believe that I am. Like, and no. I don't mean to be insensitive about it. Like, mm-hmm. that's obviously people are every day. I, I don't know why that floods me, but it, it really does. Okay. It's a huge fear of mine. It's something I'm working through. Again, this idea of it not being a fear, mm-hmm. but being something to welcome. You know, at its own, at, at its time. At its time. Right. I mean, I've, I remember when the girls were, were, were born and we were starting a family, there was a fear of me that I wouldn't get to experience all the things I had in my mind. And that's it. Okay. And maybe that's part of it too, right? Like the dad side of things. Mm-hmm. And you see it in shows... And, it, you know, society puts it out there. Like, that's mm-hmm. the emotional episode of the show when, you know, dad's no longer there and it's her wedding day. And what are you supposed oh my to gosh. do? Like, gosh, that's just like, bro, this is why I rewatch you The go, Office all the time. You dude, go because deep. Because I'm, I'm not trying to do that. But, yeah, I, I think that it's it's very different. So I, I'm thinking about it a lot. Okay. But I'm not thinking about the actual ramifications of death. I'm thinking about just the loss of life. Your life. Or just a life uh-huh. in general. Okay. What what we want to talk about is the actual tangible things that happen when people die. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do with a dead body? Well, and when you brought this up, that's ex- that's immediately where I went. What what can you do? What should you do? Because a lot of times there's obviously a science behind, um, and again, not to be insensitive, but to disposing of a of a dead body, um, there has to be a science to it. Uh, and, you know, the, the church talks about how the pagans used to burn uh, 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 people who had passed away. The idea of burying somebody seems almost um, like you're disposing of them. You're not, you're not, it seems very non-ceremonial, right? Um, but you, from ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I mean, we're, we really are chemicals, the same chemicals that come up through plants and animals and the air we breathe and the water we drink, that's really what we're made of. And so at some point, our, our, non, our, our non-living body has to go back to the earth. Yeah, and I, I think the logical side of things is, you know, you, you need to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. You, you can't just leave them. 
Uh, the Egyptians? Mummies? Sure, but there's at least a process. Got it. I'm saying you, someone dies on the street, mm -hmm. you're not just stepping over him for the next but six I, months. But I'd have to imagine there are situations and places where folks do pass away and nobody claims the body or they don't know what to do with them. So, do, I mean, do you have an answer? Do you, do you, do you well, know? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there is that. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm sort of leading to this idea that it is a, it's an, it becomes a nuisance. Mm -hmm. Death is a, death is a nuisance for the living. <sighs> did you read that? Or is no, that, I didn't. That's you? I did, but I, now that I'm hearing it in my mind, it does sound very insensitive. <laughs> no, 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 it's just, it's, it's, it, it is a nuisance for the living. It is, right? It's like, oh God. Physically, financially, emotionally, yeah. It's, right. It's, it's, it's a, a big burden. deal. Yeah. It, it's, it's a burden. And you know, like you said, scientifically, like things are going to start happening pretty quick to a decaying body mm -hmm. and we got to get them out of here. Right. And so this idea of what are we supposed to do? Burying them to me sounds like the most just like elementary idea ever. Mm -hmm. Right. You're like, uh, you're looking around trying to figure out what to do with them. And you're like, I'll hide it under the, I'll hide it under the ground. It's what I used to do with broken things. I'd break right. something in the house. <laughs> just put it under the ground. <laughs> just go bury it. You just go bury it and try and figure it out. But when we look at at burials, I thinking about thinking about it in terms of the of like the United States. Well, we know that historically they would bury them next to the church, right? The cemetery and the church were oftentimes connected. Yeah, I, I see it in movies, but I don't understand why. I think there's probably a couple of reasons. The the one that draws closest to me is just the idea of convenience. Mm. If you're if you're going to do a ceremony. You're going to honor the dead. Mm -hmm. How far do you want to travel with that body? That's a good point. Right? This is pre-cars. Hard to imagine. We're going to go. We're, yeah. just, we're just going to go out back. Mm -hmm. Also, the church has a lot of power. Right? And so you also have to look at the political side of things And as is well. it, for some people, it's holy ground. It's sacred. Yeah, do absolutely. You, so do you, do you have a better shot of going to heaven or nirvana or wherever if you're closer to a church? I don't know. I think that there is like prime real estate, though, okay. which the church often owned. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there's the idea that you can just go in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. That's not really pretty. Yeah. And, again, it, it is a it would be a nuisance to have to take your deceased loved one further and further away. Right. You want, you want something that's going to be fairly quick. Mm -hmm. Now, as I was watching this Mortician uh, episode on YouTube, I was trying to figure out, you know, the answers to some of these questions that I did not know. Okay. And one of them has to do, they said, do you take contact lenses off of the person? What do you think they do? Keep them or take them? They take them. They do take them. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, well, I don't know, I guess. Like, they don't need to see anymore. Uh, but the reason why this one in particular did it was somewhat interesting to me. So they actually use a different form of a contact lens that almost goes in, that goes into most people. Mm -hmm. And on one side, it's very shiny. Mm -hmm. And so you, you place it on the eye. On the other side, there are almost like hooks. Oh my gosh. And, you know, when they to set a body, you have to keep the eyes closed. And so they basically put it on your eye. They lift the flap of your eyelid over. And then when they put it down, it's not going to move. Okay. Uh, fans, How interesting is that? <laughs> listeners, uh, I'm hearing it for the first time as well. Isn't that crazy? It is. But these, are, again, are things that people don't think about. Mm -hmm. You know, you just assume people die with their eyes closed, like with their hands folded and their eyes closed with like a half smile. Right. Like that has to all be set. And the movies make it 
seem as though you can just swipe down. Right, the... you just you just pull the eyes down. Yeah. Right, and and then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. You know, that definitely not the case. But I thought that was interesting. And somebody invented those um, those claw the claw contact lenses. Oh my gosh, I it, it's it's palatable. I can I can. It is. I can feel it. like nails on a chalkboard right now for me. I know. When I, and when you see it, it doesn't look any prettier. Okay. <laughs> and so you kind of have that piece going for you as well. Um, so here's an interesting tidbit that I've grown up being told numerous times, so I'm assuming it must be true. Of course. One of the things that led people to believe vampires were real and that dead people could come back to life is um, when a body is put in the ground some of the hair and nails can continue to grow. So even if you put someone into their casket with their nails trimmed and their hair combed, if you were to uh, exhume the body months later, uh, their hair will look tussled and their nails will have grown out. And because of that growth, there will be some sort of bodily discharge. And so it looks as though the person may have clawed out Mm. and then gone back and laid down with their messed up hair. Yeah, there was a few questions that they asked about um, defecation uh, in that whole process of what happens if, you know, before the, you're sucked, before the bowels are sort of sucked out. Okay. Uh, Do, I'm assuming they, they you they, would have to they hose professionally it out, clean the body. Yes. They hose it out. Oh, my God. Yeah, they stick, they stick a hose on there. He also showed me the, um, the tool that they use to puncture, puncture all, of what? The, all of the organs the lungs, the stomach, occasionally okay. the kidneys, and it is a very sharp spear. And for someone who hates death, watching this well, was, was not something that I was super into. So how did were you able to watch it straight through? Or I did. did I watched stop? it straight through. My wife comes in and she goes, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just preparing for my second career, no big deal, just in case um, I want to get a summer job at the mortuary. And yet, like all sciences, this was all probably discovered by trial and error. Yes, I mean, you, there is sort of a, a systematic like way in which traditions become better, mm-hmm. right? You, you start with something like, well, that wasn't as good as we could possibly do. What else can we go from there? And then you start getting into these practices, and the answer becomes, well, we've just always done it this way. Now, even if it's a closed casket, I'm assuming they don't go to all this trouble. Which, by, by the way, I think I, I need to ask you a question. I need, I need the answer. Casket or cremation for you? Oh, it's so tough. I to me it it feels it feels like burial is right, but I think that's just traditionally. Mm. Logically, I think cremation has to be the way. And is it out of convenience? I think so. Okay. I mean, you could bring people with you. You can have the urn in your house. That has always been a huge turnoff for me. You don't want an urn, or you no, don't want to be in an urn. No. So I'm I'm a cremation guy as well, and I, uh, I I tell my wife that having been a high school teacher for now 20 years, and I don't really like people in large groups of people. Uh, I've told her that I want to be cremated, and I want my ashes to be dumped in a large indoor shopping mall so that all the teenagers can choke on me. Mm. However, and I don't know if this will be the appropriate time to talk about it, there are a variety of different ways that um, you can now process a, a deceased body and allow those chemicals uh, to live forever. So we do have some, some, some 
new technology. Yes. In terms of just not doing the urn thing, because the urn thing is a little bit old school. Yeah. Or and you know it's it's illegal now apparently to to scatter just, ashes. Just, right? Yeah. I, it doesn't bother me. Which is odd, right? Does, like, does it what, bother you? No. Like, but what's yeah. what, what are how what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, it's gonna be mixed in so fast. Well, I I think for a lot of people, um, death and touching deceased bits um, is is a is a big taboo, a big no no. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that, but you wouldn't even know. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I don't want people like throwing it on people. No. Like that, like that's not cool. Isn't there like a, a rad run where they throw? Yeah, like powder? the col- like the color runs. Okay, this episode is getting very insensitive very quickly. So we apologize to all listeners and anyone recently deceased. But what we do talk about here, my friend, is we talk about these aspects of life that we don't we know about, we think we know about, but we don't really understand some of the rhyme or reason to it. That's true. So what 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 can people do now? What are the newest things that you are uh, seeing? Well, and I remember, so I, I got my degree in the late 90s uh, at Fresno State, and I remember my chemistry professors talking about this, that, um, you know, the body is 70% water, and if you dehydrate a body, okay, which means you're now 30% the, the mass you were, a larger por- portion of you, with all the hydrogen and oxygen gone, uh, you're mostly carbon. Which means what? Well, you can either be charcoal or with a lot of heat and pressure, you can become a diamond. And so uh, they started doing this years ago where they just wanted to see, can you take real charcoal and turn it into a diamond? And they tweaked the technology, and you can. You can, can, you can make carbon atoms reconfigure into the tightly knit lattice that is a, a diamond, and you can have a diamond. And so now... And I was looking this thing up. There are companies that can take uh, human hair. You probably need a lot of human hair. Um, or you can take ashes, and uh, it takes about, I don't know why they said 5,000 minutes. I, I meant to do the math on that and, and yeah. figure out the hours. I mean, that's not really that cool. Um, but they, they take a little speck of diamond, like a diamond dust, and then they, through this process, they're able to reconfigure those atoms molecularly. And that would be a covalent bond, as you as referenced earlier. Sure. $1,400 to make a quarter-carat diamond. See, I feel like that's a steal. I would do that. Now, I'm, I'm super in on, like, being, like, a piece of jewelry. Uh-huh. Maybe more so. Mm-hmm. Now, I had thought that I had heard a rumor, and this absolutely could be 1,000% false that I just came up with in my mind. But I had thought that they were working on a way that you could actually become... A tattoo. Ooh. Um, now, I don't know if that's true. I have to fact check myself on that. But I thought that that's what people were doing. We ha- I have to know the answer to that. Yeah. You but, put a little bit in the ink and it, you And know. so here's the thing, though. So, and, and again. But I like a diamond better because you, that you, can be passed down from generation to generation. Right. I don't want you taking my skin off and, like, giving it to, like, Which, the next is, by person. the way, is against the law. In all 50 states. You can't take someone's skin. Uh, <laughs> you can't do anything these days. No. So um, you, you, it's illegal to, pos- to, to possess uh, someone's severed tattoo. Oh, interesting. And I've, Did you look into this? No. There was a, a weird MTV um, Cribs or something like that. Who was, who were the, who's the music? 
the magic guys from Vegas. Tall guy, small guy. Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller. Who's the big guy? Penn. Penn. Uh, Penn I think. was having his house oh, uh-huh. visited by this this thing, and he had a he had somebody's tattoo. It was the person's skin, Ugh. and it was all sort of beef like, jerky. Well, and it was preserved pretty well, but it yeah. was it was being like stretched out right. in a weird little frame, um, and so that's how I know that. Yeah, that's odd. So. You do have to you, you do have to get rid of the body. Yes. And I find cemeteries to be a giant waste of space. Well, they are. Yes. I mean, it's not even I don't think it's even up for debate, mm-hmm. right? And then I I feel bad. I mean, the idea of of spending so much money on this casket and and these things where I really just when I'm gone, I'm gone. And my body was a shell, is a shell, and it's it's really of no value to me any longer, and I don't want I want to be remembered, but I don't want to be memorialized. And I like the idea of just sort of taking my remains and then making them something else. And when people talk about me, I don't want them to go to a graveside and and put flowers by my graveside. You know, if they want to pat their little tattoo that they got with with Josh's ash ink. Spin their diamond ring. Spin their diamond ring. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I mean, it does make more sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that the idea of these grave these graveyards made a lot more sense when the world population was so much smaller. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, we have the room. We're and just going to bury them. And it, by the way, graveyard is a relatively recent and a small population. I mean, there are places all over, we're looking at what, almost 8 billion people now? I would have to imagine that most, you can't bury 8 billion people on this planet. Yeah, I mean that's what's kind of that maybe that's what maybe sparked this is the idea that change in technology and the way that we do things is going to have to lead to something new because mm-hmm. we're just simply running out of space. Mhm. Good space, I guess I should say. Um you know, and, and there are, there are some people who even have more ecological um ideas as to how how and this would be a choice you make. Uh, a friend of mine um, as his mother was preparing, you know, the end of her life, she signed up with the Neptune Society. Are you familiar with this? No. Oh, maybe. Okay, so the way he explained it to me is while she was still alive, she made all the arrangements. She paid X amount of dollars. Um, from the moment of being deceased, she would have been cremated, processed, right? So she had an urn. And then at... at the, the children's convenience, they would actually have a ceremony on a boat where her ashes could be legally dumped into the, into the ocean. Oh, interesting. So you, you can dump. I think so. Let's remember what, what him telling me. Now, he had like a ton of brothers and sisters, and none of them could <laughs> get together. Yeah. Uh, and that was the last I remember hearing of it. Um, but in addition to, to, to being dumped uh, in the ocean, there are uh, places where you can the the cremated ashes can be processed and kind of made into sort of this is so a nutritive puck, <laughs> and they place you on a coral reef and you become the seed to generate more coral reefs and becoming habitats for fish. So you go. You, <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. I wish you guys could see this. I know how to respond to that. So you basically become fertilizer. Yeah. Like in a real sense, which, I mean, aren't people doing that? Like, isn't that another thing in science that people are burying? But, yeah. I like the way you, you refer. 
in science. I don't know, as, like, as if it's as like, if it's a place. Yeah, like in Madeira, they're like doing. Aren't place. they doing that over there? Right. I don't know. Aren't they trying to find ways to? Yeah. Do that? So there was this one mortician uh, lady who did a TED talk, and she, she she was very professional. I didn't. She wasn't being irreverent or anything, but her idea was, you know, you put uh, uh, your loved ones in their favorite outfit, or you know, you go out and you buy a real expensive suit. And you do their hair, and you and you make the makeup, and you you've got these caskets, and all of these things are to be uh, permanent. There's preservatives, there's paint, there's dyes, there's metals, there's things that won't break down, and that casket's going to sit under the ground for years. And what she liked the idea of is that you make a biodegradable coffin that has fungal spores in it already. And over a relatively quick period of time, the casket and the body will decompose, uh, including the bones. And so that you literally become ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Interesting. That sounds, I mean, I could, hashtag sustainability, I could totally get behind that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's one of the major deals, right? This idea of like the expenses of someone dying, which no one wants to talk about because it's not time to talk about finances, but it's spendy. And, um... Unless your loved ones plan for this, it's exp- yeah, it's expensive, and it and it comes usually at a time where you're not ready. No, that's the last thing you want to think about. Yeah, you got. But you talk about the box, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm paying a ridiculous amount of money to put this into the ground, right? And it's gonna be really pretty and ornate, and it's gonna look really awesome for about an hour, and then it's never gonna be seen by anybody again. And maybe that is kind of like Hallmark, you know, like Hallmark has beefed up all these holidays where you have to buy the $7 card sure. and the balloons and that sure. sort of thing. And so maybe the whole, um, uh, you know, death industry, uh, it sort of beefed it up. Like, well, what kind of miser are you going to be if you don't provide uh, a beautiful casket? It has to be where they make up money on the back end, right? Oh. Have you seen, do you know that Costco will sell you a casket? I have seen those in Costco and it creeps me out every time. Yeah. And I'm never in the mood to buy a casket. No. And by the way, Costco, I don't know how much money you guys make on this, but nobody wants to be stopped by the solar salesman. And the casket the, guy. The, the water end. filtration guy. Yeah. The casket guy. All right at the end. Just let me have my free samples. I just want to go home. <laughs> That's it. It's crazy. I know. There's so much there. Well, clearly we have a lot more to talk about. So yep. next week we will be doing a part two on death and burial because I got some interesting little tidbits and stories about things that you might not know. I would be surprised to find out you know something that I don't, but I am uh, giddy with anticipation. Giddy. Guys, real quickly though, hey, if our listeners have questions that they've always wondered about, I mean, you, you are master researcher guy. I do my best. Okay. I try really, really hard. Now, before we get to the wisdom of the week. Uh, if you have not done so, please make sure that you follow us on Instagram. We are at the common counterpart. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple podcasts and on Spotify, leave us a review, uh, and give us a five-star rating. We would appreciate it. And without further ado, Josh hit him with the wisdom of the week. Coming from my boy, Mark Twain, the fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. I got some advice I need to take myself. I just need to start living more fully so I don't think about death. Right. I'm just yeah. always ready. And not reckless. No, but, but full. L- yeah, love more. Yeah. You know, right your wrongs. So you feel complete at all times. At all times. 
I'm going to try for that. I'm going to ask you a few questions about that next week and see how you how you did. Done. <laughs> All right, brother. See you next week. Have a good week.